Hi friends, welcome back to the Free to Exist podcast. It's your girl, Sarah Crave. I am the host of this podcast and grateful to be here. This is, I'm feeling, as you can tell, I'm feeling very energetic right now. This is the second podcast. I don't know, why did it take me a second to think about that? This is the second podcast I've recorded today. If you listened to my last episode, the one about my first tattoo, if you haven't listened to it already, Make sure that you listen to it right after this one. Have a little podcast binge. I am home alone today. I mentioned it in my last one. And because of that, I have plenty of time to just like record and record and record. And so I'm pre-recording a lot of episodes. So this week, you are hearing from me a whole week later. But for me, it's the same day as last week's episode. And today, I don't really have any updates for you because of that. Because of my last episode, I like spent the first half like talking all about updates and things that I've been reading. I just, I guess what has happened in the last couple of hours since I last recorded, I am on episode five of Heartstopper and oh my goodness, I love this show. It's so cute. It's almost like so cute and so sweet that I can't even handle it. It like makes me like, it makes me be like so giddy and excited, but so like cringed at the same time, which is just very classic for me. That's how I felt also watching Kissing Booth. Like the Kissing Booth, the first movie is probably my favorite, but the second and third, I like really struggled because it's so cute. It's almost like too cheesy for me. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. But Heartstopper is definitely like so good. I think I like it better than like the Kissing Booth vibe though. If I'm comparing those two, if I'm comparing those two, I like it better. It's just like so precious and the journey you watch the two main characters go through. And it also provides so much insight on a topic of conversation that I don't have insight on. Like, I don't know what it's like to be gay, you know? Like, I don't know what that experience is navigating that as a young person and our new relationship like for those of you who don't know I can I don't want to spoil anything oh my gosh it's just like it's just crazy the story is so good and I'm really grateful that the show was actually created because it gives me a lot of insight and educates me a lot on what that experience maybe like oh it's such a cute show it's so cute i'm probably this show the first season is only like eight episodes so i'll probably end up finishing it tomorrow <laughs> and i'm on and i'm episode five i think so other than that when it comes to shows of course i'm watching one tree hill with hannah and dalen my sister and my brother-in-law and then i'm finishing season three of h2o hey <laughs> I only have I think like legit two episodes left and I just I just watch it like very randomly like when I'm really really bored or when I'm like in the middle of doing laundry or something so I have to bring in my laundry here um after I record this podcast so I'll probably then turn on H2L just so I can freaking finish it. All right so let's jump into today's episode topic. This week we're going to talk about the Enneagram. I know that a couple episodes ago I promised I was going to talk about the Enneagram and so Today is that day. I am fulfilling my word. For those of you who don't know what the Enneagram is, in my own description, the Enneagram is a personality test. There are nine different personality types, nine nine different personality types, and every human being has a little bit of each personality in them. But 
there is a personality type that is most dominant, I guess you could say. And everyone has like a dominant personality type and then a few other strong ones that follow. This test, the Enneagram test, can help you discover what that is. And it's a very, very accurate study. It, let me look up a definition of the Enneagram actually. What is the Enneagram? Okay, so it says, the Enneagram of personality, or simply the Enneagram, is a model of the human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. Fetch. Yeah, that's a way better explanation than what I gave. It's a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. Okay, so if that right there doesn't make you want to go take the test, oh man, I don't know what will. I'm like a sucker for this stuff. I'm like, yes, tell me about me. Tell me why I am the way I am. Help me figure out why I'm broken in certain ways and why I'm psycho in other ways. Like help me just, let me, help me translate all of how I view life and see if there's some like validation there. And let me tell you, there is, there always is. I have taken the Enneagram test three times in my life, okay? The first time I took it, I believe I was 18, I think. I was in high school, pretty sure. And at the time, the Enneagram was like trending. It was a huge thing that so many people were doing. They were discovering their Enneagram types. And it was like crazy. You could go in and study what your type was like. There were books written off of it. You could read about how different Enneagram types relate to one another in in romantic relationships, in friendships, in, in professional relationships, uh, why you act a certain way when you're super happy, why you act a certain way when you're super sad. All, there was so much information to be consumed about these different personality types and honestly like learning about it I think was so it, I think it just blew up and became this massive trending topic for so long because it was like a door was opened to everyone's brains and everyone was just loving learning about themselves and learning about their friends and their family and yeah it was just really cool it's just a really cool thing for me it was like honestly an opportunity to find some answers about why I maybe feel things the way that I do or why I felt so different from other people in specific ways and it was just a really validating experience but also just kind of opens your eyes to a little bit more of who you are so like I had that episode a couple of weeks ago on 25 questions to get to know yourself better the Enneagram is a great way to get to know yourself better there were so many ways when I studied my my type that certain emotions or things I experienced were put into words in a way that I could never put into words. Or sometimes I would notice something and I'd be like, oh my gosh, yes, I, I do feel that. But I never even knew to like acknowledge that I was feeling this way or never even knew that this was like associated with, you know, just my personality or that other people felt differently in situations like my my view of the world was so linear and then it just opened up when when I studied my Enneagram type. Does that make sense? Okay. So like I said, I took my the first test when I was 18 and I took it with the Enneagram Institute. I think I just Googled like what's the most accurate test because I didn't want to just jump around because since it was trending, you know, like you could have one accurate test out there, but then a bunch of websites are going to try to duplicate it because it's trending and they want to bring traffic into their website and I don't know, get people to spend money on it. And so 
I didn't want to mess with all that. I just wanted to get the most accurate one. And I had heard from, I don't remember who, that the Enneagram Institute, their website had an extremely accurate, I think the most accurate Enneagram test. I think to this day, it's still the most accurate Enneagram test. I believe there are like 144 questions and it takes about 40 minutes to an hour to complete the questionnaire. Oh my gosh, our cat looks so cute right now. Oh my gosh, I have to take a picture of him. He's so adorable. Oh, Jizzle. Oh my goodness, he's laying on the floor, but his head is like turned upside down and his little paws are crossed. Oh, the day this episode goes up, I'm going to have to remember to post this picture on Instagram, on the podcast Instagram, so you guys can know what I'm talking about. At freetoexist.pod on Instagram. So the first time that I took the Enneagram test, my result was a type 7. I was, at the time in my life, a type 7 on the Enneagram. (laughs) I'm smiling because it's like I'm purposely using the word was, because as you can guess, as you know, like by the title of this episode, that my Enneagram type changed. And oh my goodness, you guys, like when I was back then, it made so much sense for me to be a type 7. So let me read you about a type 7. I'm just going to read you like the basic... Okay, so the type 7 is named the enthusiast. That's the name of the type 7 personality. I'm going to say type a lot in this episode. And a few adjectives to describe it. It says the busy, fun-loving type. Spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. And it makes me laugh because I'm very much still this person. Like, I am so, the type seven is so strong within me still, but there are a lot of things about the type seven, like extremely adventurous, never really able to keep their feet in one spot, always looking ahead to be like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And that is still me, but at the time in my life, when I first took this test, that was very, very much me. I was always looking toward the future. I was always trying to look at what the biggest adventure would be. And I always considered myself such an adventurer because honestly, I don't even know if I really was (laughs) that adventurous. I just, I like to do whatever, how do I describe this? When opportunities to do fun things came along, I was like super down for it. Like I remember Right after I graduated high school, I like went to Europe with a big group of people that I'd never met before. I just met them online and I was like, oh my gosh, a chance to go to Europe? Heck yes. But then people around me were like, you're just going to go to Europe with a bunch of freaking people you don't even know and it's your first time leaving the country and you're going to travel to London by yourself. And like, there were just so many things that people around me were like, dude, like, aren't you scared? And I was just like, No. Are you joking me? This is going to be so exciting. This is like the biggest adventure ever. It's going to be so great. So there are a lot of ways that I was adventurous, but when it came to being like, I don't know, I pictured this in my head, this like classic, like outdoorsy, climbs mountains, loves to hike kind of person in my mind because I hung out with a lot of people like that when I was younger. People who are older than me as well. And they were what I would say are very, very like, adventurous and 
we would always go out together. Like when we would hang out, we'd be like, oh, let's go adventuring, which pretty much just meant like, let's go do like spontaneous things and see what happens and just walk out the door and see what the world has in store for us. And because they were like that and I really looked up to these people, I kind of always thought like I was like that too. And not that I wasn't, but it was more so like, uh, I kind of adapted to being that way. Does that make sense? And again, that's not to say that I'm not the adventurous type, but it's just not the same. You know what I mean? Like when I was, when I took that test as well, and I was answering these questions, I had like a specific view of myself. I had a very specific view that I was the type that was extremely enthusiastic about life, um, wanted to do something different than everybody else and was never gonna stop traveling, was never going to stop uh, to take a breath and was just gonna keep going and going and looking for the next. It's just interesting because I'm still that person, but I'm very different. I still have those desires inside of me to travel And I do very often still look ahead and I do love the outdoors and I love outdoor activities, but it's just not the same. I love how like the only thing I'm associating with being a type seven is like going outside. (laughs) It's not like that. Okay. Like it's just funny because I'm reading about the type seven right now and I'm still am this person. I am fun loving. I am very spontaneous. I... I'm so distractible, (laughs) like all the time. And I am very scattered. Like I still am all of those things. So it's funny because when I retook the test, type seven was still at the very top of the list. Like it'll, it'll take you through like all nine types and give you a score for each one. And the highest one you score is obviously your, your dominant type. And then you have, you know, your second, third, fourth, and then downward to the ninth. And so anyway, In so many ways, I still am a type seven. I'm still the very adventurous type and uh, I very much think differently than a lot of people. But you know, what's interesting is that this type of thinking of feeling like you're constantly going after a life path that's different than other people's. And in high school, I always felt like no one understood me, whether or not that was true. I think that there probably are a lot more people that understood me in high school than I realize now. Uh, but at the time, I, maybe that's like a normal high schooler thing. No, you don't think anyone understands you, blah, 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 whatever. But I really didn't have like a lot of uh, friends that I would hang out with on the day to day. Like I had friends in high school, like awesome people. Like I was surrounded by really, really awesome people. But... It didn't feel like the moment, it didn't always feel like with everybody that I was acquainted with in high school that the moment I left the high school doors, we would still be connected. You know what I mean? I had great friendships with most of the people that I was surrounded by in school or at activities. You know, we would like when it came to like extracurriculars and stuff, I had great friendships, but very few of them did I actually like hang out with outside of school and I always just wondered like dang like what is wrong with me I feel like I'm just so different from everybody and I think that there are a couple of factors that played in like I think I didn't relate to a lot of kids in school one just because I grew up a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or aka Mormon 
and nobody else did i was the only one in my entire school district so already there was like a bit of like isolation for me just because i couldn't really relate to them on some topics and they really couldn't relate to me and so our lifestyles were different which caused this kind of invisible barrier between us which is which is unfortunate but just that's kind of i guess can be expected as well i just feel like again this is not to say that none of the kids in school had similar dreams as me i honestly didn't really go out of my way to even find out but i always wanted to do things with my life and my career very out of the box or what i thought were out of the box like you know wanting to be an actor and a musician and all these things and i always pictured myself like getting out of wisconsin as soon as i possibly could and running off to los angeles or australia or wherever just discovering the whole entire world if i could Sometimes I think when you dream so big, it feels like no one else can match that level of energy, whether or not that's actually true, okay? Like, I'm not saying that that's actually, I'm not saying that was the reality. This is just how I felt sometimes. I felt like I was so alone in wanting the certain things that I wanted, and I felt like the people around me who I would share my dreams with, they were so supportive and they were like, oh yeah, Sarah, like go and get it. Like you got it, girl. Like can't wait to see all the things you do. And they were so awesome that way. But I never felt like they matched that energy. Like they wanted similar things, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just like one more way that we couldn't relate. You know what I mean? But again, I don't know that that was really the reality because... I could have done a better job like asking them be like could you ever see yourself doing these things or whatever but there were a lot of kids that I would have the conversation with and they'd be like oh yeah I just I don't really want to do that I want to just like stay near the hometown near the fam or in a state nearby and go to school and you know live the the traditional um I guess the traditional path that like we're taught to do growing up again nothing wrong with that don't get me wrong nothing wrong with that but for me it always just kind of felt like dang why am I different like why don't I want to do that I don't get why I don't want to do that and sometimes it was kind of frustrating for me because I was like gosh Sarah can't you just like want to go to college can't you just like want to do something normal and stable with your life but it was just never it was just never felt like a like a desire for me so when I took this Enneagram test and I got type 7 which very well describes this type of person. It helped me understand like why I always felt so different because the enthusiast often does and the enthusiast often does have these these ideas and dreams that are just so far out there and they're constantly thinking ahead. But there are some struggles that come with that, like the fact that type sevens have a hard time living in the moment. Type sevens are often so on the go that they have this like, inherent fear that they're gonna meet people and love people but they're never really gonna settle down enough to watch them grow and to be a part truly a part of their lives because they're just always on the go and I had that fear all the time I was like what if like I make friends here and then I go there and then I lose I lose touch and I'm just forever alone because I'm always moving so much that I can't sustain any of the friendships that I make throughout my life. And then I'll just forever, I'll be adventuring and I'll be doing all the things I love, but I'll be doing it alone. And so that was like a big fear I I have had for myself in my life. So anyways, 
it's just interesting. That's that's who I was at 18 years old. There's a lot more to it, of course, but I don't really know what else to say about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I took the test a second time not too long ago. The whole idea for me was like I went on my mission and I changed so much. Not only that, but also during the year 2020 when we were quarantined, I was living in Dallas. I was living away from home for the first time and I learned so much about myself and I learned that, dang, I can really be a homebody if I want to be. Like, I discovered how shy I could be when it came to certain new experiences that I wasn't just like this person who was like welcoming to all and every new experience and was just like diving in headfirst into every adventure. Like I, re- I learned pretty quickly that it's like, dang, I always thought that I would be like that, but I'm actually not. And I think that when I originally took the the type seven Enneagram test, I was taking the quiz with a largely with a view of what I thought I could be someday, you know, of who I would be in a few years. You know how you kind of always look to yourself in the future and you imagine this person that's a few years older than you as sort of your your ideal version of yourself? Oh, like when I'm 25, I'll, I'll be this person or when I'm whatever. And you always think that that person has it all figured out and is so like established in their personality and all kinds of things. Um... Yeah, I think I kind of had like a different version of myself in mind when I took the Enneagram test the first time. So learned a ton of stuff about myself in 2020. Thought that, dang, like maybe I am not this very adventurous or extreme extrovert type person that I always thought I was. And then I went on my mission, learned so much more about myself, like so much stuff. And I thought that it would be a really cool idea for when I got home from my mission to take the Enneagram test again. Because on my mission, sorry, I'm saying on my mission a lot, but seriously, as a missionary, you change so much. You change so much. You discover so much about yourself. It would, I thought to myself like, dude, my personality type may have been this at one point, but... Who's to say I can't change? My personality can change. I can grow and grow into more of who I am. And 10 years from now, I may have a slightly different personality. Like, I am a believer that people can change. Like, I know there are a lot of people out there who are like, people cannot change. But I'm like, dude, if people can't change, that means they can't progress. And if they can't progress, then like, what is the point of this life? Like, absolutely, I think people can change. I think there are agreements that you can break, as you guys know at this point. And there are new habits and new hobbies and new interests that you can take on. And you can fall out of love with other things as well. So when I got home, took a while, but just a couple weeks ago, My brother-in-law, my sister and I, we were out for the day and I thought that I would take the Enneagram test while we were out. So I took like a, like a random website one, like how I told you before that I didn't want to do those. Well, ha ha ha, I did. (laughs) And I got my new result of a type four. Hang on, I just got, I'm getting texts. So I, I was like, okay, interesting. Cause I thought that maybe I would get like type seven again, just to like kind of confirm it. But I was like, okay, interesting. 
but just to be sure i wanted to take the exact same test that i did last time so i wanted to take the one from the enneagram institute but the reason i didn't the first time was because now now that the enneagram has blown up and become huge it was no longer free to take the test it is 12 dollars so i was like oh am i gonna do it yes i did it i paid 12 dollars to take this freaking test again so I took the test and it was really interesting because I noticed so many questions where I thought I had to like stop and be like, dang, I can really see how I've changed with that question. Like answering that question at 18, my answer would have been different. But now I can honestly say that my answer would be this and it would be something different. And so it was really cool because I even screenshotted a couple of the questions because I shocked myself by what my response was. And I learned that, for one, I am not this extreme extrovert, you guys. I am so much of an introvert in so many ways. I'm an extrovert, introvert, introvert, extrovert, frick, which one comes first? Either way, I'm 50-50. Honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm like a 70-30. I feel like I'm a 70% introvert and a 30% extrovert. It really just like depends on what situation we are. I used to be able to like, fake enjoy a conversation so well like professionally you guys this sounds so bad I'm like really outing myself I was actually this is kind of like off the tracks of the Enneagram but this is just something interesting about that I discovered the other day I was having a conversation with a person and I was just like laying it on thick that I was enjoying the conversation. I was being very smiley. I was being, I was laughing. I was cracking jokes. I was trying to be high energy. I was trying to like make this good impression and help this person know that I was very interested in what they were saying and just being polite, you know? And then I thought to myself, am I really enjoying this conversation? What do I actually feel about what this person is saying? Why am I like trying so hard to be so high energy right now for this person? And it occurred to me that I was like, dude, I'm really not like, not that I was like uh, disliking the conversation we were having, but I was honestly kind of bored and I wasn't really feeling anything toward what this person was saying, but I was putting on this whole like show, this whole personality show for this person. I was like creating, it's almost like I went into some sort of a character. It, It actually like, it shook me for a moment because then I went home. I was like driving home and I was like, damn, how many times have I done that in my life where I have just like gone out into public and almost on cue entered a social situation and like entered into some sort of a character where I've become this outgoing, funny, energetic person when I really didn't want to be, but I did for that person's benefit or whatever for the social circumstance or whatever. It was just, I don't know, not that I'm saying anything specific. I'm not saying that that's like a bad or whatever. It's just, I don't I don't know what my opinion is on that whole thing, but it was just kind of weird for me because I was like, what would I behave like if I were just true to my emotions all the time? And it was almost, it's almost so automatic to go into social events or, or situations or conversations and to just try to put your best sell forward because you're making an impression or for that person's benefit because you want you don't want to be rude you want to seem engaged and blah 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 and not to say of course you guys not to say that I'm like done this with every single conversation but it, you, you get the concept right and so 
for the following like week or so, I I tried to like catch myself in that, I guess. It was almost like by noticing it the first time, a switch went off. Because before I would never even notice when I did that. Like it was just automatic and I didn't even realize. So going forward, the moment I realized it, it was kind of like a switch went off and all of a sudden it wasn't so automatic that I would just enter into this character when I would go into conversations. It's a character of someone super outgoing and extroverted. And I noticed I became a lot more dull. Like I was very dull and a lot less emotional in my conversations, a lot less animated. And I think it really just, it was a shocker, bro. It was a shocker. I was like, dang. Yeah, what's interesting is I don't really know how to feel about that. I don't really know how to feel about that. <laughs> like, it was just weird. It was, I, it was kind of eye-opening to like me a little bit. And I don't really know, again, I don't really know how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm like, I always pictured myself being this person that was so like, oh, I love talking to people and I love talking about anything and I'm very animated and blah, 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 which I totally, okay, I totally am. I am that animated person, high energy, but sometimes I would just lay that on for even like conversation, topics of conversation that I had zero interest in. It's so, I don't know. It's just bizarre. I don't really know how to feel about that or where I'm going with that, but I'm not sure if anyone out there has like experienced that where you're just like, dude, am I like being fake right now for someone else's benefit? Why? Why am I? And it's almost a little refreshing to be a little bit more true to your emotions in the moment. Because even though I got a little more dull in certain conversations or even though I talked a lot less, because usually like I'll just fill any space, <laughs> any space there is in a conversation, but I let myself be like silent or whatever. It honestly helped me preserve so much more energy. Like I realized that I left those conversations with so much more energy. And I also recognized that I was like, dude, I don't have to be this like character for this person. Because honestly, at the end of the day, this person doesn't really care. Like whatever their impression is of me doesn't really matter for me and it doesn't really matter for them either, you know? I don't know, very odd. That's a whole conversation. I feel like I wish I had another person here with me to like co-host this with me to kind of walk me through that conversation because I'm like very, I don't know, very interesting to understand. Anyway, but the thing is, is that I still am that person when it comes to things I'm actually like interested about, like, oh my goodness, if you see me at a concert, holy heck, I feel like I am my most true self when I'm at a concert, like of an artist that, of an artist that I like. At any concert really, like there's just something inside of me that just like releases <laughs> something like so magical that just like comes out of me. But especially when it's an artist that I know and love, holy crap, it's like, I feel like I'm my most free in those moments. But I think in the past, I always felt like I had to bring that person out to every conversation I would have and bring that person out at every social event. And that just kind of got exhausting because it's like, you know what, that person, that my most free, true self, like sometimes she don't want to come out. She just wants to stay and wait for the next concert. I feel like this conversation is going places that I don't even understand. So let me jump into what my new type is. So my new type now is the individualist. So I don't know, a lot of people may disagree. If you're very familiar with the Enneagram, 
don't rat on me for some of my opinions, okay? Because I'm still learning about all this stuff. And I, in my opinion, like the individualist and the enthusiast, the enthusiast go very hand in hand. I feel like they're very similar in some ways because when I was reading about the individualist, I was like, oh my gosh, I have qualities that describe the individualist that are the same qualities that I used to think made me a type seven. And they just make me both. (laughs) So let me move on. The individualist is the sensitive, withdrawn type. Okay. Already this is very different. This, the enthusiast, remember, is the busy, fun-loving type. Okay. So you picture someone that's like out there, very social, energetic. And the individualist is the sensitive, withdrawn type. (laughs) So you can see how different those two are. I still feel like I'm both. Well, of course I'm both because when I took this test, it was type four was at the top and then it was type three and six. And then it was type seven. So type seven was four out of the nine. The individualist is expressive and dramatic, which... I am. (laughs) I would not have admitted that before, but I'm starting to understand that. I am self-absorbed and temperamental. So at first glance hearing this, I'm like, the F? You call me self-absorbed? And then I think, you know, I think that can mean several different things. I'm sure that there are times where I am very self-absorbed, but I think also because the type four is a very emotional person. The type four personality type is very self-absorbed in the way that they get so locked into their emotions and just fester there in whatever they're feeling and they get so caught up in their own little world of emotions that you kind of forget about the world outside of you your your actual reality that is very true for me that definition of self-absorbed is very true for me you guys I will get so locked into my emotions that day. I have, since I've read about the type four and I've understood this type so much more and understood why I think the way that I do, like it was crazy how much I related to a lot of what it was, a lot of what this study has taught me about the type fours. One of the things it said in there was like, you often will perceive your emotions as some general reality. Like, for example, if I'm feeling really happy that day, I'll be like, damn, I'm a really happy person. You know, like everything's great. Everything's good. But the moment that I get anxious or sad, I completely lock into that new emotion like a hundred percent and I'm like oh my gosh I am a sad person and it's never going away and life is sad everything's sad anxiety will just like anxiety just wrecks me because I just laser focus into that emotion I've learned from reading about the type fours because this study taught me that like you have to remember that like your emotions you have to control your Though we can't control our emotions, okay? Like, that's the thing that I learned in counseling. We can't control our emotions. Like, whatever our emotions come as, they just come as. But we can control the way we respond to our emotions. So this test said something similar. It was like, fours have to really be careful to watch their response to their emotions. Because 
I will let my emotions take over my entire day and I will put off important things I needed to do until I feel up to it or whatever. And so it's funny because now, like for example, like the other day I was having like an anxiety attack and I had to like take the moment to ground myself, you know, because anxiety is a little bit more than just a personality type. It's also like a mental health concern. So it's a little bit deeper than that. But I'll sit there and remind myself like when I've done my grounding and things to be like, okay, I've grounded myself. I'm back here in the present and now I'm going to move on and continue to do the things I need to do with my day. I'm not going to let this emotion take over, you know? Oh my gosh, there is a fruit fly flying around in here and it's bothering the crap out of me and I'm getting distracted from my flow. Let's read the key motivations for the type seven and then the type four, just because I'm curious. Okay, okay, okay. So here's what a type seven is in brief. Sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. Uh, that's still me. <laughs> they constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. At their best, they focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. Dang, I'm like, I know my type has changed, but this still sounds exactly like me. So I'm like, mm, Enneagram, you're confusing me. Basic fear of being deprived and in pain. Basic desire to be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled. And then the key motivations are want to maintain their freedom and happiness, to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences, to keep themselves excited and occupied, to avoid and discharge pain. So then we jump to the individualist. Fours are self-aware, sensitive, and reserved, which I think at the time that I took this test, I realized how sensitive and reserved I really do become. I become very withdrawn very easily. Uh, I've become someone who, yeah, just like withdraws and I'll stay within my own little personal space as I, as I feel whatever I need to feel and figure out whatever I need to figure out. I am very sensitive. I have been my whole life. They are emotionally honest, creative, and personal, but can also be moody and self-conscious. <laughs> ah, gosh, it's like scary how well this is describing me. I feel like I am very honest with people about my emotions, and I'm very creative, and I'll be very sharing on social media like I am right now, but then I get very self-conscious of, of, at the same time, of how much I'm sharing. Uh, there's almost never a circumstance where I've shared something online where I don't like almost automatically think afterwards like oh my gosh was that a mistake was that a mistake being vulnerable is really scary and when it comes to like personal relationships really opening up with like with people and personal relationships I don't know why it's so easy for me to share certain things I do online to kind of like a general space but when I'm one-on-one -on -one with a person or with a group of humans I have a really hard time opening up which is I don't know just super ironic to me but okay here we go withholding themselves from others due to feeling vulnerable and effective <laughs> they can also feel disdainful and exempt from ordinary ways of living mm -hmm. they typically have problems with melancholy oh my gosh if i could get melancholy tattooed on my forehead self-indulgence and self-pity <laughs> i like i remember reading this type for the first time i was like dude this type sucks 
At their best, they are inspired and highly creative, and they are able to renew themselves and transform their experiences. Their basic fear is that they have no identity or personal significance. <laughs> ah, I'm laughing because I'm just like, dude, literally. Okay. Their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance to create an identity. Oh, that's cool. So like, it's basically saying our basic desire is to overcome our fear, which is is facts. Like for me, it's it's very true. I feel like sometimes I have no identity, especially as like the youngest child of a family. I feel like I, I don't get why I would be important in the world and what I have to offer. And I feel like if I'm just the same as everyone else, then maybe I'm not important, but then I'm like, but what's wrong with being the same as everyone else? I should just be able to do what I like to do. And, but I have to find myself amongst all the, noise and it's a whole thing the key motivations are wanting to express themselves and their individuality to create and surround themselves with beauty to maintain certain moods and feelings to withdraw to protect their self-image and to take care of emotional needs before attending to something else to attract a rescuer lol wanting to attract a rescuer that is actually something that i didn't realize you guys for the longest time that i was looking for looking for someone to rescue me whether that's like um a romantic partner or a friend or i don't know just like somebody in my life to come and give me all the answers and to rescue me from whatever but i'm really proud of myself to say that i have been doing a really good job in the last few years of making a lot of personal discoveries and figuring out how I can be there for myself. And it is a journey and I'm not super amazing at it, but we will get there. <laughs> I want to be extremely self-sufficient. I remember there was a point on my mission when I discovered that I was on the verge of being extremely co codependent. And when I learned that, I like immediately... The thing about me is that once I once I recognize a certain behavior, like truly recognize it, recognize it, I will sit there and I will meditate on that and like think about that. And then most of the time I will be conscious and aware of those behaviors in the future, which helps me to pretty much improve and change and not repeat certain behaviors that I don't want to. That is typically true. Not to say that I don't mess up a lot, but at least it's like it helps me be aware and conscious of of my actions, you know what I mean? Which helps me to improve. Takes me in the right direction, I guess you could say. So this was another thing when I learned that I was like, dude, if I don't like nip this in the bud, like I will be extremely codependent in my life. I have, I remember writing down in my journal. I don't think I have that journal with me. It's an old journal. I think I finished it when I was on my mission. And I wrote down that one of my life goals was to become emotionally independent. And I keep that in mind very often. And so I still have a long way to go. But that is still one of my life goals is to become emotionally independent. To not necessarily, yeah, not need anyone to rescue me, you know, to be able to understand myself all on my own and and know how to take action to heal myself when I need to, to fulfill myself when I need to, to um, fill my life with beautiful things that bring me joy without necessarily needing that, requiring that of another human. When people do come into my life, I can say, hey, here I am, complete. Let's, you know, 
combine our happiness and our joy and let's just thrive together, you know, with like friends, romantic partners, whatever it is, you know. Uh, yeah, I hope that makes sense. So anyways, I thought this was a, would be like an interesting topic of conversation to see one, to document one, how I've changed over the past several years, things I've discovered about myself. I don't think that any of my type sevenness has necessarily gone away, but it's definitely just some qualities are not as strong as I used to think that they were or as they literally used to be. I think I used to be a much more of an extrovert than I am now. And I'm very comfortable with who I am now and I appreciate who I am now. And it's always just fun to learn more about yourself. And I don't take the Enneagram as like the end all be all. It's like, oh, the Enneagram says that I'm like this. So I have to, you know, adapt to fit this personality type. Like, no, absolutely not. But it is cool though to understand why you may think a certain way or why you may feel a certain way. I didn't, I didn't jump into it, but the Enneagram Institute will take you through each Enneagram type for free. You can look it up without having taken the test and just read up about each Enneagram type. And they'll tell you what you behave like when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're in romantic relationships, when you interact with other types, all these things. And it's just so interesting to learn about. And in a couple of situations, it actually has helped me because I had a friend who was like a certain type, personality type. And I was like, we were like struggling with something and I was like, bitch, like, what do I do? And so I read up on our personality types and how we, like, how our brains work. And so I could better respond to the situation in a way that she would understand. And it helped. It was actually a really interesting experience. It was very helpful. So I encourage you to take the Enneagram test if, if for nothing more than just curiosity to get to know yourself better. It's a really cool test. It's really accurate and can just help you dive so much deeper into, into your mind and your personality. It's so cool. I think it's totally valid to say that people can change and I'm curious to see how I will continue to change throughout my life. Huh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. So of course, don't forget to keep up with all the change that I'm making in my life as as we continue on and I continue to just transform into whoever I want to be. It's an interesting journey. So to keep up with it, you can follow me on YouTube where I'll be vlogging my experiences, vlogging my life. That's Sarah Colleen. That's Sarah, S-A-R-A-C-O-L-L-E-E-N. And then on Instagram, I'm really active on Instagram stories every day at Sarah Crave. I post about the podcast and all updates pod there at free to exist.pod. And then on TikTok, you can follow me at Sarah Crave. On there I'll post like a little bit more music type stuff and just like fun. Just TikTok is fun. <laughs> All of those will be linked in the show notes. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the pod. Whew man, this is a lot to put in an exit outro, whatever it's called. Okay. I will talk to y'all in the next one. Bye.